and welcome back to SEMA's podcast, Y'all Ready for This, where we talk about all things emergency preparedness to help you and your family get ready for any type of natural or man-made disaster right here in Chatham County. In the past, for the past couple of months actually, we've been talking about adult preparedness and making sure that all of our adults in Chatham County are ready to go for these natural man-made disasters. This week, we're going to switch the script and we're going to talk about kids and I am joined by two fabulous people who I absolutely adore. The first one is my co-host, and that is Larisha Mance. And she is our new admin. Larisha, welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Chelsea. Glad to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. And then we also have, he's listed on our screen here as Safety Sam. This is Sam Wilson, and he is with Safe Kids Savannah. Sam, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, and we will hear a little bit about what Sam does in just a few seconds, um, but I just wanted to go ahead and introduce everybody. And like I said, we're going to be talking about children's preparedness, and there are so many different things that go into preparing your kids. I'm, I've got to be honest. I have a 16-month-old. I had no idea. There were so many different things that go into making sure that your kids are safe and they are prepared in any aspect of their life. So hopefully we'll dive into some of those different things and learn a whole lot together today. I'm gonna hand it over to Larisha so she can start with our first question. Hi, Sam, how are you today? I'm great, how are you? <laughs> That's good. So I'm fairly new to this area. So can you explain a little bit about what Safe Kids Savannah is and what it is, what your role is and what you guys do? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So Safe Kids is actually uh, a nationwide nonprofit organization that's dedicated to preventing traumatic injuries in children. Um, and the best way to think about it is I'm kind of the regional coordinator for the Savannah area. Um, and so, as I said, we're a, a nonprofit, so we're really community-based, um, but I have a lead agency that's the Children's Hospital at Memorial, the Dwayne and Cynthia Willett Children's Hospital, um, that allows us to kind of go out and get our messaging out throughout the community. Very cool. And that's a whole new facility too, right? I mean, you guys are working in a brand new building, right, Sam? That's right. Yeah. So this is a brand new building here. Um, we just opened up about three weeks ago. Um, so it, it's really a cool time um, to be in Savannah, but also to be a part of this program. Um, a lot of what I do is really injury prevention based. Um, some of the major areas that I work in uh, include home safety, uh, fire safety, um, safety with sports, uh, and really the majority of my attention and the majority of my energy goes to uh, safety in the car and specifically car seats, making sure they're installed correctly. Yeah, so that's exactly what I wanted to get into and talk about. Can we like dive a little bit deeper into each of these different aspects of what you do? I mean, I'm personally fascinated by car seat safety and sports prevention injuries and all of those different things. But I love this idea that you're embedded into this children's hospital. So how can you prevent kids from coming to see people at the children's hospital? I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point that you bring up. You know, community relations is, is really important, but also we wanna make sure that we try to keep as many people out of here as possible. Um, and, and we wanna try to do that, or specifically I wanna try to do that in a, a, as fun as way as possible as well. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I do is with different community organizations. Um, I can go out and work with elementary schools, middle schools, but also uh, mothers groups. Um, different retailers can, we can do stuff with different retailers a lot of times. Different private companies can come and uh, ask me to do some type of car seat inspection event, daycares, stuff like that. Um, 
and making sure that their children are actually installed in their car seat correctly. So it's a good mix of things. Um, talking specifically about car seats, um, a lot of what we do is uh, before the baby is born is trying to reach those moms um, and get them the education that they need um, and the resources they need to make sure that they pick the right seat for them. Uh, and then also use that right seat on the road. Um, as far as sports safety goes, you know, we're in Savannah, so hydration is always going to be super important. Um, but we do a lot with concussion identification and concussion prevention as well. Um, some of this is somewhat anecdotal just because uh, a lot of times what we see in the hospital is a little bit different than what's actually going on out on in the real world. Um, but a lot of it is based on um, just making sure that we're getting coaches and parents the necessary education to make sure they can identify those concussions and a lot of cases prevent concussions. Um, home safety is really, really fun. Uh, because home safety, I'm sure, Chelsea, you've, you're familiar with the term child-proofing. Um, child-proofing yes. is one of those things that it, 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 I think it's still a buzzword. Um, I don't know if, it, if it's talked about as much. You know, obviously, last, last year when everybody had to stay at home, um, home safety became a huge issue because, you know, all of a sudden people are at home all day. Um, so we do a lot of, again, a lot of education and just making sure um, that parents make safe decisions at home, uh, whether it is uh, planning the layout of a new home or identifying um, tricky areas that are existing in their home. You know, we talk a lot about baby gates. Uh, we talk a lot, uh, speaking about fi fire safety as well, about smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors, et cetera. Um, so a lot of it is just kind of getting out there into the community and saying, hey, make sure you're aware this is an issue. Make sure you're trying to um, be kind of forward thinking and preventing these issues as well. Right, and, and then you've got to think about, for a perfect example here, I have a carbon monoxide detector and they're supposed to be at a lower level, but if they're on a lower level and they're inside of that area that's gated off for the child, so we're inside of this gate and you've got this carbon monoxide detector, my child wants to play with a carbon monoxide detector. So those are things of needing to understand the equipment that you're using and then also how you can make sure that that equipment doesn't get destroyed by a 16 month old. Uh, so all things, it's all about understanding the technology that you're using and then how you can use it to your advantage. Absolutely. And then, and then once we do understand it, we want to make sure that caregivers have that knowledge, but also they can empower uh, each other. Um, to use that equipment or um, the necessary education or whatever it may be um, to kind of continue uh, a culture of safety. So, yeah. On my end, it's just slightly different. So I have older kids. So in that case, yeah. I can put mine where it's supposed to be. And I live in an apartment. So I can encourage my landlord like, hey, we need these carbon monoxide I'm going to say it wrong, but detectors. we need those <laughs> detectors. I don't know what I was going to call them, like these, but, <laughs> but we, we, you need those because it's standard to have a, you know, a smoke detector, but it's not necessarily standard to have a carbon monoxide one, but I can sit with my children and say, Hey, this is what this is. This is what it's supposed to do. So whenever sure. there's a situation, like it puts them on high alert also. So if they hear something or if something goes wrong, they can say, mommy, this is going off and they understand the significance and the importance of us responding quickly to that alarm. Yeah, absolutely. And we recommend it as well. 
Um, and I can plug this in there now that, now that we're definitely talking about it. We try to make sure that everybody changes or checks their batteries and their smoke alarm and carbon monoxide detector every six months. We just switched our clocks really about a month ago. Um, so if you haven't done that for the spring, now's a great time to go and check it. Yes, and that does not give you the excuse to take it off and then leave it off. And it's the worst thing in the world when they start chirping, those batteries start chirping. You're like, what in the world is happening? So like Sam said, just go ahead and prevent all of that from happening. Switch them out every six months and you don't have to worry about it. It makes your life so much easier. Trust us on this. Right. And if you can't get it off, just ask for help. I promise you a hammer is not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't hammer it. Oh my gosh. All right, so Sam, if someone wanted to start working on something this weekend, if there was some tangible yeah. thing that they could start working on, what would that be? You know, maybe kind of tailor, maybe something for younger kids and then something for older kids. What could they do? Yeah, so specifically just around the home, um, just kind of going around and making sure, you know, we talk a lot about um, childproofing, as I mentioned before, um, but we don't really talk about accidental poisonings uh, that have to do with either um, cleaning products or medication. Um, so if you are a parent uh, of a young child, you know, you see medication compared to um, like candy, a lot of times uh, a child may not recognize the difference between what is actually medication and what is candy. And unfortunately, we see way too many accidental poisonings um, in, in this region in particular. Um, but it, it's a lot of it is a matter of uh, caregivers leaving their medication like in their purse or maybe their medicine cabinet um, is not necessarily a cabinet. It, instead of being up high, it may be a little bit low. Um, so make sure that any medicine that you have is up and away. Um, any of those cleaning products should be locked. You know, we, we typically say lock them under the sink, but it should be in a cabinet that is a locking cabinet. Um, but yeah, so medication safety and poisoning prevention is is huge. And we do see a good bit of it with um, uh, grandparents and caregivers as well. Um, you know, grandparents and caregivers, maybe they aren't necessarily, the child's not necessarily with them that often. Um, so their house is not as thoroughly childproof um, as the primary caregivers um, or the parents of the child. So even um, grandparents, um, other caregivers, just make sure that they are practicing the same safe habits with you um, or as you. Um, and then another tip for um, some adults, uh, or at least um, for older children, adults who do have older children, um, you know, earlier we talked a little bit about concussion identification and prevention, um, but also, you know, wearing a helmet goes a long, long way. Um, in Savannah, we have uh, the Tide to Town, which is uh, a network of biking trails and um, walking trails and jogging paths, etc. Um, and luckily, that's super duper safe, but not everybody can always get access to uh, that tied to town um, kind of areas all across town. Um, so they're biking in their neighborhoods, which is absolutely super okay. Please go out, enjoy this uh, wonderful, amazing uh, April weather. Go ahead and get out there, but make sure you're wearing a helmet as well. The, and the, the biggest tip I have about either um, biking safety or walking or what we call pedestrian safety is if you're if you're crossing a road, it's a good idea to make eye contact with drivers. So if you say you're at a busy intersection or something like that, and 
you know, maybe these cars are stopped at a stoplight or they're stopped at a stop sign. Before you actually walk across that intersection, make eye contact with those drivers. Make sure that they see you. Make sure that you you know that um, you see them as well. So yeah, that that's for any age. I'm, you know, I won't tell you how old I am, but I find myself doing that all the time, especially when I'm in parking lots. <laughs> that's a good idea. You mentioned this. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Kelsey. Go ahead. No, I well, you mentioned it's, it's the wonderful way. weather that we're having. And so yeah. my question was, do you have any tips for water safety? So, you know, we have people that are coming, they're visiting and families want to get to the beaches and just have fun. What tips do you have for water safety for families? Sure. Yeah. Excellent question. And now's the time to really start thinking about it. So, so first, you know, swim lessons are a good idea. We can't all have access to swim lessons all the time. Um, if you can go ahead and enroll your child in swim lessons early. Um, it, and in most cases, um, you know, like I, like you mentioned, we're now in April. Um, a lot of these facilities, if they're open at all, just due to restrictions, may be already filled up. They may have a wait. So go ahead and research some lessons in, in your area um, and get your child signed up. But if that's not available, if that's not an option, um, there's a lot of different tips but, um, as far as water safety goes. But I'm going to start with backyard pools because the majority of drownings that we see uh, come from backyard pools. They're not necessarily from the beaches. Um, they're not necessarily from those public pools. A lot of them are from the backyard. And, and the big reason for that is um, just lack of supervision. You know, backyard pools are easy to get into. Um, it's easy to get into a neighbor's backyard pool. Um, so it, it's just really important if you do have a backyard pool, um, have a safety gate around the pool that locks, um, keeping that backyard pool locked. Um, and along those same lines, you know, backyard pools, a lot of times they can be in ground um, or above the ground, above the ground pools, same idea. You wanna make sure that you prevent uh, any children wandering away, getting into that pool area. Um, and, and, and along the same lines, inflatable pools as well. You know, we all see those little kiddie pools in the summertime. It's actually a really fun thing to do. It's a really great way um, to kind of cool off in the summertime. Um, those kiddie pools are really fun and really safe with supervision. Um, and it, that's the big thing, just making sure that the kids are supervised. And then uh, what I always say is, if you use one of those, make sure you throw the baby out with the bath water. Um, in other words, get rid of the water that's in that pool. Um, if you have one of those inflatable pools, turn it upside down. You don't want that standing water there because the child, again, the child's gonna have a lot of fun with, with the pool. The child's really gonna enjoy it. And it's gonna be hard to pull your child away from the pool uh, because they just enjoyed it so much. So if you do have one of those inflatable pools, flip it over. Um, and then for the most part, a lot of it is just supervision, constant, constant supervision around water and children. That's okay. great. great question. Yeah. I, um, I have a little inflatable pool and I did just that. I flipped it upside down. It's got a whole lot of dirt and that keeps it also clean so that when you flip it back yeah. over and you fill it back up with water, it's one less thing as a parent you have to worry about. Your water's already going to be clean. Um, all right. So you guys have mentioned awesome weather and this beautiful weather that we're having in the month of April. Let's switch the script again and talk about severe weather and weather that's not so great. Um, sometimes it might be really challenging to talk to your children at any age about what severe weather looks like and um, what they might have to do during an emergency event. Sam, what's an easy way that we can start having these conversations with our kids to get them ready for any type of severe weather that may be headed our way? Yeah, great question. So my go-to tip is to involve your children in that severe weather planning process. 
um, allow them to have a say so in the decision making. Um, a lot of what specifically what I talk about is, is fire safety um, and having that escape plan. And one thing I'll actually advocate for is for the child to create that fire escape plan um, to like evacuate their house. Same thing with severe weather planning. Get your child, you know, get a notebook, get something that you can all write on and then eventually post it up on the fridge so everybody knows. But come up with a um, severe weather plan, whether it's for um, hurricanes, whether it's for tornadoes, whether if it's just for uh, these really uh, seeming, seemingly fun, but also kind of dangerous summer storms that we get uh, almost daily. So e any type of severe weather, involve your child in the planning process. Um, and a lot of times you'll find that any time that you can actually get your child to really help brainstorm um, and come up with these big, big themes, it definitely normalizes the process for them. Um, but also they kind of take ownership of it as well. And it, again, creating that culture of safety or at least creating that culture of being preventative is really important. So yeah, definitely involve your child in the planning. Sam, how often would you say that families would need to actually practice the plans that they've, they've written out? Because I mean, it's great to write it down, but sometimes you like, it's good to get the kids to actually do it so that they understand yep you know, exactly where we're going and how we're getting there also. How often would you think that families need to practice that plan? Yeah, that, that's a great question. We typically say once a season, so every roughly every three months. Um, it, you know, if we're going into a season that is cold and, you know, you, you don't expect too much um, hurricanes or se really severe weather, um, like fall and winter, um, you may not need to practice it then. Um, so use your best judgment, but we typically say practice that fire escape route or fire evacuation route. And then um, in, in, even in the weather uh, with a weather plan, um, you can practice that in the springtime. Now, now's a great time to do it. But yeah, typically we say once per season, every three months. So we talked about it earlier, changing your smoke alarm batteries. Maybe you decide to do a whole uh, weekend and talk about a fire escape plan and change those batteries out and just make it like a family fun activity. I like to do activities every weekend with my daughter and this might be something that we can start to implement into that as well. I like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any Anytime you can get the child involved, you're, you're going to find a lot of enjoyment. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Any last minute questions, Larisha? None here, Sam. You've been great. Like, thanks so much for answering my questions. Now I can get my kids involved. And we'll come up with a plan this weekend also. And yeah, that is sounds exactly great. what we're looking for. So listeners, if you are excited like Larisha and you are engaged, you're ready to go, let's take it one step further and create those emergency plans and get ready. And we are so excited that we you were able to join us today. Thank you so much to Larisha and to Safety Sam. I love it. I will forever call you Safety Sam um, for joining us today. And you guys, listeners, we'll see you next time when we're talking about disaster and emergency preparedness. Thanks so much. Bye.